Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you here today. Um, John said it earlier, uh, my name is Sam and I am the student pastor here at Greyfriars. Um, So that means that I spend my time working with uh, the people in this church who are kind of 18 um, up until some ambiguous age in their 20s. It's never really become clear. Um, And if you said to me, Sam, what is the best thing about your job? I would have to say it's being able to chat to people um, who aren't Christians yet, um, who are searching, who have questions. It is my favorite thing to spend time with those who uh, uh, wouldn't call themselves a Christian and tell them uh, about who Jesus is. Um, And I wondered if we start, uh, if you'd pray with me. Um, So let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, thank you that um, you speak to us through your word, um, that by reading it we can uh, grow in knowledge of of who you are and, and what you do. So Lord, as we study this now, Um, Yeah, would you just speak through me and would you give us all soft hearts ready to listen and learn? Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to put you in a bit of a a crazy situation to begin with today, okay? Um, I want you to imagine something for me. and I want you to imagine that you are in a church service, okay? Have you got that? Um, I want you to imagine uh, that you are having a conversation with someone you don't know, okay? It's possible that you've just done that. And I want to know, how did you introduce yourself to that person? Okay, can you wave at me if you've just met someone for the first time in the last 10 minutes? Brilliant. See, loads of us. How good's that? Look at that. All these people meeting people for the first time this morning. And I want to ask, what was the, the, the thing you introduced yourself with? Was it your name? I'm guessing it was your name. Um... Because what's interesting is that the answer uh, to the question, who are you, can actually be lots of things. There's loads of things that make us who we are. And if someone asked us, um, or someone asked me, who are, who are you, um, I could say, I am a 25-year-old man, or I have brown eyes. Um, and all of that is true, but if I said that when someone asked me who I was, that would be really weird. But we could get more spiritual to the question, who are you? We could say, oh, I am a Christian. Um, And we could even get more spiritual than that maybe by saying, I am a son and a daughter of God. Um, And my suggestion for us today is that if we believe in Jesus and we take the passage that we've read here seriously, that we can say something else. Um, Next slide, please, Tim. We can say this, I am commissioned. It's possible that you're sat there this morning and you don't feel very commissioned at all. That's okay. Because we're going to walk through this passage, we're going to learn what it means to be commissioned, and we're going to understand, hopefully by the end, what it means to say this. Um, But let's start with the word commission. Um, Because I think that understanding what it means uh, to be commissioned will help us achieve a greater understanding of what Jesus is saying here at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Um, Next slide, please, Tim. So commission means this. It's an instruction, a command, or role given to an individual or group. And now, what's interesting about the word commission um, 
is that it confers a level of authority on the person who is being commissioned. So if I'm uh, sat in the office during the week, I'm up there in Sackville Street, um, and I turn to Tom Pollard and I say, Tom, I'm going to commission you to make me a cup of tea. Okay? Um, Now, if Tom makes me a cup of tea and it's rubbish... That's a very little consequence to me, apart from having a bad cup of tea, because I'll just go pour it down the sink and I'll make myself another one, and I've done that within five minutes. So commission doesn't really work, I think, to say I'm going to commission you to make a cup of tea. Commission means something grander. It means something that if it goes badly, then there is going to be a cost associated with it. Um, Can we go to our next slide, please? Um, Anyone know what this is? Yell at me if you know what that is. The Sistine Chapel, perfect. The Sistine Chapel in the Vatican in Rome, okay? And the ceiling, anyone know who painted the ceiling? Michelangelo, brilliant. Um, So in 1508, I discovered, um, Pope Julius II commissioned Michelangelo to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. So we're going to ask the question, why did he commission Michelangelo. Um, next slide, please, Tim. Well, I've, done, uh, I've got his credentials here. Um, here is why Michelangelo was commissioned to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Number one, he's done loads of really good paintings. Great. Number two, he's a safe pair of hands. And number three, he promises quality and value for the cost of his labor. So for the Pope, he knows that Michelangelo is going to do a good job. So he says, Michelangelo, I'm going to commission you to paint this ceiling, and what an amazing result. So we've got to ask the question, what are our credentials for the mission that we are being commissioned for? Um, Thankfully for us, it's not painting a ceiling. That's very good for me because I'm really bad at art. Um, But for us, we're being commissioned to do this to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them, and to lead them into obedience in the way that Jesus led us into obedience. Now, this point about obedience, I just wanted to touch on quickly. I could do the whole sermon on what that means. Um, But what I'm talking about there and what I think the passage is getting at is a denial of the self motivated by a deep love of Jesus. Okay, So to put off the things that we've done before and say that I'm now going to live in this way instead because Jesus is amazing. Um, can we get to our next slide then? So here's our credentials for what we're being commissioned for. So Michelangelo's were amazing, but ours aren't so good. We know that we are sinful and broken and we get things wrong. We know that it's just a little bit easier not to talk about Jesus to the people we know who don't know him. We seek comfort. And talking about Jesus is very often uncomfortable. And finally, I don't know always that we have a clue what we're on about. Maybe sometimes the thing that puts us off saying this is who Jesus is, is a worry that we'll be asked a question that we don't know the answer to. I know that when I was a student and I was at university, that was the number one thing that stopped me from telling my mates who weren't Christians about Jesus. I didn't want to be asked questions that I didn't know the answers to. And so we come to an issue that we're going to try and deal with today. How can a broken, comfort-seeking, confused church fully participate 
in what Jesus has commissioned us to do. Because what a gracious and generous invitation this is. To baptize, to make disciples, to lead people into a denial of the self. It's amazing, but how are we going to participate in it if that's our credentials? So what I want to do is I want to take you back in time um, uh, to my youth, to 10 years ago um, when I was 15 years old. There we are. Um, this is at Soul Survivor, a big Christian summer festival for young people. Um, anyone a Soul Survivor alumnus in here? Yeah, great, awesome. Um, Soul Survivor, week A, 2012 in Stafford. Okay. Um, by the way, this is our five-a-side football team. Um, we trained twice a week for two months for the football tournament and then got knocked out in the first round on penalties. Um, but in 2012, I had um, very slowly but surely over the course of a few months become a Christian. And I'd done that um, in uh, the living room of the youth leaders at my church called Robin's Death. Um, they'd invited me along to a youth alpha course and I'd gone and I'd realized over the course of uh, the few weeks that this was real and that I was a Christian. Um, but uh, the big thing for me was that I didn't really want anyone, any of my mates anyway at school to know that I was a Christian. I was, I was kind of embarrassed by it. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't want them to think I was weird or I didn't want them to, to laugh at me or ask me difficult questions that I didn't know the answer to. But for the sake of wanting to be a Christian, because I, I really did want to be one, um, I reckoned I could just keep it quiet. Yeah? I could just keep it on the down low. Nobody had to know. And so Soul Survivor had been amazing that summer. That was the first time I'd ever been. And I was stood in a room, a big cow shed, um, and worshipping with 5,000 other young people um, was completely life-changing for me. Um, I'd heard some really insightful talks and seminars. Um, and five-a-side football heartache aside, it had been an unforgettable week. Um, but it was, however, about to become uh, unforgettable for another reason. Um, it was an evening talk towards the end of the week. can't remember exactly what night it was. Um, and a woman got up to speak uh, called Miriam Swaffield um, uh, from an organization called Fusion. Um, I don't remember the entirety of the talk, okay? What the passage was, no idea. Don't remember anything else about it. But there was one line that she said, one sentence that hit me in the gut. And she said this. She said, this faith is personal, but it is not private. And I sat there in the cow shed as a 15-year-old and was absolutely gutted. I was, oh no, oh no. And the reason why I was so gutted is because I knew she was right. That all of my kind of best intentions of, right, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to keep it a secret. It's going to be my thing. No one's going to know. All of it came tumbling down because Miriam said this faith is personal, but it's not private, and I knew she was right. How could it be private? I, I knew that this realization of Jesus' life, his death, his, his resurrection, I knew how it was changing my life. Um, it was changing how I saw the world around me. Um, it changed what I wanted. It even was starting to change how I acted. How could it be private? I, I had to tell people about this, even though everything within me felt like I didn't want to. And the, I, I, was, but I was kind of really conflicted at the same time because... 
I was working through in my head all the credentials that we have as a wider church to step into that mission that Jesus gave us. All of those were true for me, and they still are. Next slide, please, Tim. This is what I was thinking. How am I going to go and keep... How can I... How can I share this? Because I'm sinful and I'm broken. That I know that I, I seek comfort. And if there's a situation where maybe I have to talk about Jesus, I'm going to choose not to because it's just easier. And then the same thing. If I get asked a question, I don't know if I'm going to know the answer. And I think that uh, that leads us back to the, the question that we had at the start. Next slide, please, Tim. Thanks, mate. How am I going to participate in this if all of this is true about me? Well, the good news is, is that Jesus is the answer. It's very Sunday school. But the answer to our question, how are we going to participate in this? It's answered in Jesus. Jesus says, um, and surely I am with you always until the end of the age. And Jesus' sacrifice on the cross somehow and miraculously gives us an answer to that question. That our, our sins are paid for. That even though we might not have the answers, do you know what, that's all right. Because even if I don't, there's someone who might do. And there's enough stories of people in the history of the church who've come to be a Christian without having all the answers. And that the thing that we can do is ask the Holy Spirit to come and give us boldness to say, this is Jesus and what he's done, even though I, in my own desire, might want to seek comfort. Because you see, what Jesus is commissioning us to do here is the mission of the church. I made this little uh, diagram here um, to give us an understanding of, of what it means to live with these four verses on our hearts. If we live lives that seek to, to make disciples and to baptize and to lead people into obedience, we're carrying out the mission of the church. But the mission of the church cannot be confused with the mission of God. The mission of God is so much bigger the mission of God is redeeming a broken and corrupted creation from the moment of the fall in Eden, and it's still going on today. And our uh, invitation is to participate in it, but it's not all of it. So we can't put too much pressure on ourselves to say that without me and without my efforts, God isn't going to achieve what he's doing, because he will. But we are generously invited to play a part in it. So it's okay if we have our limitations. It's okay if um, our credentials look like that. Because um, that was my response when I was sat in that cow shed at Soul Survivor. I looked and I, I heard and I looked at myself and I thought, there's no way that I can possibly participate in this mission of the church. But you know what I said at the start? Like my, the, my, the best part of my job is talking to young people about Jesus who don't know him. And that doesn't mean that for you to live in, in the mission of the church that you have to do the same, because that's not true. All we have to do is authentically and honestly and passionately tell the people we love most about Jesus. 
One of my favorite little tools for evangelism it comes from the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. And he says that in three minutes, so if you were waiting at a bus stop and you met someone for the first time, in three minutes, that's all you'd need to tell someone about Jesus. You'd take the first minute and say, this is what my life was like before I met Jesus. You'd take the second minute and say, here's how I met Jesus. And you'd take the third minute and say, and now this is my life now that I'm a Christian. And I want to finish with a, a story. Um, it might be a story that you've heard before. Um, it's a kind of preacher's favorite, really. But if you haven't, um, then this might be new for you. And if you have heard it, please be patient with me. I want to tell you about a man called Albert McMakin. And he lived in North Carolina uh, in the 1930s. And Albert um, was a farmhand, so he worked on a farm. And um, uh, he was a Christian. He'd recently attended a revival meeting and had decided that he was going to follow Jesus. And he was so excited by this that he was wanting to invite everyone he could kind of meet to come and uh, experience the revival meetings like he had. Uh, and one of the people that he said, uh, you've got to come and, and listen to this preacher, you've got to come and listen to this guy, um, was one of the people on uh, the farm that he worked. So the family who owned the farm, he was talking to one of the sons and he was trying to get him to come along. Uh, and he was a very stubborn man. Um, uh, so every time uh, the fellow he was asking was saying, no, I'm not doing it, um, he would come back again the next week and invite him to the revival meeting. Apparently the, uh, the preacher was called Mordecai Ham, which is a brilliantly American evangelist name. Um, and so he tries and tries and tries, and eventually the guy from the farm um, says, fine, I'll go with you. Um, so he jumps on the back of his truck and they drive to the meeting. Um, and in that meeting, um, the individual gives his life to Jesus. Um, and that man was Billy Graham, um, who, uh, by some estimates, uh, his preaching reached over a billion people around the world in person uh, through, through media. One of the greatest evangelists came to Jesus because of the stubbornness and the full understanding of the mission of the church of a bloke called Albert in North Carolina in the 1930s. And that's not to say that you, you have to be Albert McMakin. I, one of my favorite things about being in the kind of big church, um, as we understand it, is that I see so many different ways of the mission of the church being lived out in people's lives. It's brilliant. You might have an idea in your mind of what that looks like for you. Is there a group of people that you feel particularly called to? Is there maybe even just one person that you're like, I just want to keep telling you about Jesus. I want to keep inviting you to church on a Sunday morning. I want to keep inviting you to my small group because I know that it's worth it and I know that it can change your life. So as we finish, I want to come back to, to the, the, the point that I made at the start. When someone asks you, who are you? There's loads of things we can say. But one thing we can all say is that if we love and we believe in Jesus, we can say, I am commissioned. Um, can I invite the band back up? Cheers, boys. Um, and what I'd love to do, um, just to finish, is to pray for us all um, as we go to the people that we know, the people that we love, who we want to see become Christians, who we want to see know Jesus. Um, and ask the Holy Spirit to come and empower us and give us what we need um, to make a difference in their lives by inviting them to, to whatever space that they, you want to invite them to, whether it's this or a small group or even just to the pub to talk about life. Um, so if you would, would you stand with me? Thank you.
And I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to worship. Lord Jesus, thank you that we read here in these four verses at the end of Matthew that we are commissioned. And even though our credentials show how broken we are and how confused we might be and how we'd be willing to seek comfort rather than discomfort, Lord, in your mercy, would you give us what we need to go to the people who we want to see come to you? To have a life transformed. So Lord, would you just put on our minds right now, maybe just one person who you want to, to, to bring home. One person who needs to receive an invite to church, to small group, even just to the, the atrium maybe. And Lord, would you give us the strength? Would you give us the conviction to go where we in our own power can't? Amen.